Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire those who have experienced loss to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 34, Mental Health. You may already know this, but May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And on this very last Wednesday of May, Mental Health Awareness Month, I want to launch a series on how to upgrade our mental health. So super excited about this, but let's first talk about what is mental health? What does it mean to be mentally healthy? The medical health today description says that mental health refers to our cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being. It is all about how we think, feel, and behave. The term mental health is sometimes used to mean an absence of a mental disorder. So if we think of it in terms of the absence of a mental disorder, we, we think of this in physical health too, right? If somebody doesn't have a disease, then they're considered healthy. But there's different levels of healthy, isn't there? There's some people that maybe don't have a disease, but are struggling to take a one mile hike or something. And that may not, you may not think of that as being healthy. According to the World Health Organization, organization, mental health is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. These are all wonderful things. And this is something that we would love to see our society, a place that we would love to see our society get to is that the help would be out there, the answers would be out there, that everyone could live with mental health. While it's wonderful, wonderful to have an absence of mental illness, the question, of course, is, is there more? And did you know, did you know that you can be grieving and be mentally healthy? The good news is you can. Unfortunately, too often the opposite is communicated to us. So we automatically think that if we're grieving, that something is wrong with us and and that we're not mentally healthy. But the absolute truth is, is that you can grieve and be mentally healthy. You, you, you certainly can. Negative emotion is, is normal, but when it gets outside the normal ranges, then then that's when, you know, if you have any question that you might, might be outside of normal ranges, and I, I would, I would certainly recommend that you, that you consult with a mental health professional for sure. There is wonderful help out there. You know, I've talked about it. I saw a counselor for nearly three years helping me through some of my complicated grief, helping me through my PTSD and so forth. So that is a a worthwhile, there's just nothing better we can do for ourselves than to seek, to seek mental health. Our brains are so important to us. If we go back to that initial definition, the medical health today description about our cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being, it's the way we think feel and behave. The connection between these is the same connection we can use 
to produce amazing results in our life. Isn't that fabulous? So our thinking, what we think about, affects our emotions, and our emotions affect our behavior, and our behavior affects the results that we have in our life. The actions that we take directly affect the results that we, that we see in our life. And, but it all, it all starts with thinking. But do you know what most of my clients say when we first start working together? Most of them say, I don't want to overthink things. And I've thought a lot about where that came from because I remember feeling that way too. I totally get it. I, I felt the same way because overthinking gets a bad rap, but I think it's because of what we're focused on. Overthinking feels like ruminating on the same troubling thought over and over, which is definitely what we don't want to do. But here's the cycle we find ourselves in too often. We see a problem. We see a problem. It's, it's obvious that there's a problem. And that's what our brains do. That's what our brain does. It, it looks for problems and it's looking for problems because it's trying to keep us safe. But our brain is just always back there calculating like how, how can we keep, how we, can we keep her safe? How can we keep, keep her safe? So brain's always looking for that, constantly looking for a problem. So we identify a problem and we think about the problem and too often we define it as a problem with us. So we see, we conclude something's wrong with us. So we see the problem, we focus on the problem and then we conclude something's wrong with us. And then we go back to focusing on the problem. And then we go back to focusing on what's wrong with us. And we go back and forth like a cycle. If you think about a steering wheel, you you put your hands on nine and three. Are the problems on nine? You're on three. So you focus on the problem and then you cycle around to focusing on what's wrong with you. Then you focus on the problem we focus on what's wrong with us, then we focus on the problem, then we think, and it just goes round and round and round and over and over and over again, repeatedly, and it becomes a problem spin cycle. So what do we do? We're like stuck in this little spin cycle. So we decide to ignore it. We're just going to ignore it. We're going to ignore the problem. We're going to ignore what we think is wrong with us but we can't do it. We can't leave it alone. We can still see the problem. And then the problem spins us back around to what's wrong with us. And we conclude because we're just spinning in this thing and we don't want to be thinking about it. Then we think, I don't want to overthink things. I don't want to overthink things. I want to just ignore it. I don't want to overthink it. But as much as we try, as much as we try to ignore it, it's still there. And the it's like the proverbial elephant in the room. But in this case, the proverbial elephant is in our brain. And the problem isn't the problem. And the problem isn't us. The problem is knowing how to think. Everything starts with our thinking. Learning to think, learning to use our brain, not to just focus on a problem, but use our brain in a powerful way. It can do amazing things for us. Seriously, the brain is amazing. Our brain is so powerful. But if we just use it to look at the problem and what's wrong with us, we aren't harnessing the power of our brain. We think the problem is the problem or the problem is us, but the problem isn't the problem. The problem is what we're thinking about the problem. Seriously, it's that simple. It sounds crazy. I know. Simple doesn't always mean easy though. 
but it's definitely a skill that we can learn. When I was in my grief, when I was in the worst of it, I would look at my grief and it was so huge and dark, like a monstrous mountain. It was overwhelming and I saw no way out. It was completely overwhelming. And, and it was so overwhelming that then I would spin around to, there's something wrong with me. If there's something wrong with me, obviously there has to be something wrong with me. And so it's been back and forth from the problem, the grief, the loss to something wrong with me. And the more I spun, the more I spun like a hamster in this horrific wheel, the darker and the more looming my grief became and the darker and more pointed my self-loathing became, spinning over and over until it gathered steam, like like a humongous, muddy snowball gaining size and speed as it roars down the mountain to an obviously tragic end. That's where it was headed. Again, this is the problem spin cycle. The problem becomes bigger and bigger as we become smaller and smaller. The problem is bigger We think there's something wrong with us, so we become smaller and smaller. So what do we do about it? If we're finding ourselves stuck roaring down the mountain at breakneck speeds, completely out of control, just waiting for the next crash of devastation, what do we do about it? Let's take it apart. So there's two parts. There's the problem, the problem we're focused on, and then there's what's wrong with us. The problem is the giant, muddy, fast-paced snowball that we are inside feeling out of control. The first thing we've got to do is get out of the snowball and be the observer. And how do we do that? It's hard to be in your brain and be the observer of your brain. I know I've talked a lot about being curious, but being curious in this situation is super helpful. And a good way to become the observer, like I said, if we're in our brain and trying to observe it at the same time, super hard, super hard. So get out a piece of paper, get out a journal and become the observer. So we journal our thoughts. We journal about the problem. We get all those thoughts on paper. We don't judge what we're thinking. We don't edit what we're thinking. We just write, just write, write. If you can write for at least 10 minutes, write for longer, write until you feel like you've, you've spilled it all out there. But the more you write, the more information you'll have. And the more you write, the more and more real you get as you write, the more honest you get about what's really going on in your brain. Think, think of those reality shows. Do you ever wonder, like I do, how in the world they act the way they do in front of the TV cameras. I, every time I see a reality show and I see somebody go off the rails and act like a, excuse the, the slur, but you know, act like an idiot. I think, don't they know there's camera there? Don't they know there's someone filming them? But what happens is the longer they're in front of the camera, the more they forget they're in front of the camera. And it's the same way. The more you write, the more your brain forgets to edit. So now we're going to take the writing. You're going to look at the writing and we're going to pick a thought. Pick a thought that represents kind of the overall theme of what you wrote. Because what you wrote on paper, that's what's been in your brain. 
Sometimes it's shocking, but that's what's been in your brain. And now you're looking at it. You're looking at it like you're looking at a graph or you're looking at a picture and you look at it and you, you pick that, that central thought, that central thought to the problem spin cycle. And we're going to take that thought and we're going to plug it into a formula. This formula that I'm going to share with you is taught by one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo. Remember when we talked about the problem spin cycle, the problem becomes bigger and bigger as we become smaller and smaller. So our thoughts might be something like, and this is very general, but our thoughts might be something like, this problem is way too big for me to solve. I'm not worthy of solving this problem. This problem is bigger than me. I'm incapable of doing anything about it. So those might be some of the thoughts that we're looking at, that we wrote down on the paper. So let's just take one of those. Let's just take one of those statements, one of those thoughts. I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. Wow. How does that make you feel? How does that make us feel when we think I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem? For me, when I hear that, I think feelings like out of control, frustrated, inadequate, despair, powerless, Well, how do we act? What is our behavior when we feel powerless? Well, generally for me, if I feel feel powerless, then I stop taking any action at all. Or if I feel despair, then I'm going to be acting out of desperation. And then the result becomes no solutions or no progress because I'm not taking action because I feel powerless. And it proves, this is important to remember, the result proves the thought. So the thought was, I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. The result was no solutions, no progress. That proves the thought, doesn't it? If we have no solutions and no progress, then we're proving the thought that I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. But if we change the thought, so now that we know what our unintentional thought was, this is what was rattling around in our brain And we got it out on paper and we can see it now. And we're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is why I feel the way I do because I feel like I think I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. But if we change the thought to an intentional thought instead, we can change the feeling, which then affects the action and ultimately the results. So let me outline it for you. The intentional thought could be something like, I can improve this situation. I can improve this situation. Now notice I didn't go from I'm capable of doing anything about this. I, I'm, incap- I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem to I can solve this problem tomorrow. Like I, I didn't go from zero to a thousand. I went from I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem to I can improve this situation. And that might be a step that might be one step, just just entertaining the idea that I can do something to improve this situation. So when we think I can do something to improve this situation, not to fix it, not to make it all right, not to completely solve everything, but something to improve the situation, I'm now I'm starting to feel encouraged. Maybe I'm even feeling more capable. I'm feeling determined to make some improvement. And when I feel that way, then my action is to take positive action, 
to learn, to improve. And the result is I improve the situation. I improve the situation. So my thought is I can improve this situation. I have encouraged feelings and I start taking some actions, some baby steps to improving the situation. And the result is I improve the situation. So once again, the result proves the thought. So I'm going to run through those one more time. Unintentional thought, I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. The feeling is powerless. The action is taking no action. The result is no solution, no progress, which proves the thought I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. Now, looking at the intentional model, we change our thought to, I can improve this situation. Then we feel encouraged. If I feel encouraged, I'm going to take some action. I'm going to take some positive action. And the result is I improve the situation. Again, the result proves the thought. You may be asking yourself about right now, which I would be asking this question too. If I were you, if I was listening to this, I would be asking this question. What if I really am incapable of doing anything about this problem? That's a great question. And like I said, that's the exact question I would be asking right now too, if I was listening to this outline. That's why we're going to spend a couple of weeks breaking this down. So this week, we're just introducing the idea of our thoughts, our thoughts creating our results, and how our thoughts influence our emotions, which influences our actions, which influences our results. Okay, so that's what we're looking at this week. Next week, we're going to talk about the circumstance or the situation. And that's where we're going to look at this, you know, what if I am incapable? We're going to separate, we're going to separate the circumstance, the actual truth from the thought. We're going to spend some time looking at that because I find that that's one of the biggest shifts to make is to separate the truth the facts of a situation from the thought. This is the beginning of understanding the path from thought to results. And like I said, next week, we'll talk about circumstances. The third week, we'll talk about how to direct our brain. We, we introduced that idea, but we're going to talk more about how to direct our brain and how to create new thoughts. Don't miss any of it because it's huge. I'm telling you, it is huge. I think that one of the biggest shifts I made in all, all the shifts that I've made and all the transformation that I've made is this idea that there's a, a difference between the facts and my thoughts. And in honor of mental health awareness month, this is how we go from an absence of mental illness to a spectacularly functioning brain that helps us build a life of purpose and joy. Let's engage our brain. This is the way we're going to do it. When we clean up the brain, we understand it, we understand how it works, and we can use it and put it to work. Okay, we'll go back to that elephant that I talked about earlier in a totally different context. But you think about an elephant in the jungle. Elephant in the jungle is just walking around, eating its food, doing its thing. That's it, right? Then some group comes along and harnesses the power of the elephant and has that elephant out helping them with the fields 
and with with the hauling things. Now, all of a sudden, this elephant is not just sitting around, eating its food, doing its thing carelessly. Now it's harnessed to do the work. And that's what we're going to do with our brain. Our brain is this gigantic elephant that we're going to put to work. We're going to, we're going to put it to work for us, not against us. Because here's the problem with thinking, I don't want to overthink things. The fact is you are thinking all the time. You're thinking all the time. You know this. You know that you have these random thoughts all day long, every day. There's thoughts you're having you're not even aware of, but you're thinking all day long anyway. If we can learn some tools to direct those thoughts, the things we can do, I am telling you, it is amazing. So I'm super excited, super excited to share with you these thoughts that I have, these uh, tools that I have for harnessing the power of the brain. Thanks so much for being with me this week. Don't forget, you can join us on Facebook at Build a Life After Loss. And if you've been wondering how you can start to implement some of these tools and strategies that I share here, let's talk. Sometimes we need more structure and individualized help. Send me a quick email at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com and we'll find a time to chat. It's my free gift to you. Email me today. You're the best. I believe in you. Love you. Bye.